Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Garrett, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. And you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, entertainment, pop culture, conventions, and more. And you can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L-Central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of uh, newspapers in 21 markets uh, that we uh, do uh, game reviews for. Each week you can catch me on DJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM Radio. Just did a segment uh, that will be airing Friday, so we'll have it simulcast our page. We have our Skewed and Reviewed magazine, and we're getting the December issue ready already. Hard to believe just a few more weeks, and we're going to have to have that one out with the 2022 Holiday Gift Guide. And, of course, we have our good friends at Sci-Fi Radio that you can check out some of our written contact. And... Um, the show each week, and as well as syndication, social networks, so on and so forth. And I'm joined, as always, with uh, Justin and Michael. We finally got our schedules all lined up to get everyone back, and it's going to be getting really crazy. We've got a lot of uh, movie screenings. We've got Wakanda Forever coming up, all kinds of uh, press screenings. We just had the big Avatar Way of Water trailer drop today. And we're getting huge traffic on that, so I was really happy to see that. So before we get into the entertainment side of things, I just wanted to bring up a product. One of the great things about this year is that we get asked to review all kinds of products, including stuff that um, normally we wouldn't cover. Now, you know, we don't do paid uh, reviews or anything like that, but what we do insist on is that we at least know the product to try it out. And this one was rather interesting. It's called Genius Litter with health indicator, and I know Justin and Michael, like myself, are cat owners. It not only cleans the paws, it's non-clumping, and it's 100% eco-friendly. And it's got a little bit of an interesting kind of a uh, sand-yellow color, but what it does is it changes colors when the cats use it to indicate if there are any health issues. So as long as you don't see a color change, everything's fine. Certain color change would be like an abnormal pH level, an alkaline level, or even blood, that sort of thing. And it gives you a clue. You know, if you see this, just monitor it. If you see this, everything's good. If you see this, um, then perhaps you want to check with your vet. So very interesting. GeniusLitter.com is where you get it. It's headquartered out of Las Vegas. And uh, the cats, you know, a couple of them, well, one of them was a little hesitant at first due to the different texture, but quickly adapted to it. All three of them have been uh, using it with no issues, and it has uh, worked very well. It's also been fantastic with odor control, which we're really grateful about. So, gentlemen, switching gears over to uh, our bread and butter, as it were, we had the news that the PSVR 2 is indeed coming in February of 2023. However, it is coming at a $549.99 price point as well as a $599 uh, version that contains a digital uh, code for the new Horizon uh, VR game that's coming. So uh, we'll start with Justin. What do you make of this? Yeah, this is kind of an interesting time frame. Um, you know, I would I would think they, they probably, you know, behind the scenes, I would have I would think they probably wanted to hit a holiday um, 2022 time frame for release. But, you know, obviously things don't always line up perfectly. Sometimes you got to delay things a little bit. And I, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference um, because the, the price point is kind of high, um, especially because, uh, you know, 
it's probably mostly going to be for people who uh, already have PS5s. It's going to be uh, it'd be quite the investment if you don't have a PS5 already um, to uh, get a PS5 with PSVR2. I think the one thing that's going to, um, you know, I, I do like the bundle with Horizon. Uh, I think that's a good idea because the one thing I think that's going to really be very important is what does the software library look like? And, you know, it's understandable to have a light software library at launch. Um, but, you know, you have to look six months, a year from now, a year from release, rather, uh, to kind of like gauge whether whether or not it's going to be successful, because the hardware is the hardware. Um, and from what I've seen, it is very impressive, but it's really the, the software that that's going to be driving it. So uh, it's going to be one to watch. Uh, February, uh, kind of an interesting time to release uh, new hardware, but um you know, uh, it should it should be successful, and I'm kind of interested in, in uh, checking it out. And Michael, um, what do you uh, what is your take on all this? So I think honestly, for everything that it packs in, it's actually a pretty good price. I'm I was actually thinking it would debut around seven ninety nine. So I think for that price, it's pretty inexpensive for a quality VR kit. Again, it has eye tracking. Um, the screens are really good. I mean, let's not forget the Valve Index. Still retails for a thousand dollars. The uh, I'm trying to remember what the Vive and what the original Oculus retail for, but they were probably right around five hundred dollars. Um, so I think I think the price point is actually pretty good considering what you're getting for it. Now whether now again the Vive and the Index. So I own all three. I own the well and four. I own four VR headsets. Um, so I own the original Oculus. I own the Vive. I own the Index, and I own the uh, the latest Oculus, we're make uh, the wireless one. And, and this one, um, with the PS, on the PS side of things, um, again, it does include a lot of um, the screens are really good, the eye tracking. So it does add a bunch, a, a lot of stuff in that will make it a pretty good VR headset. I, I'm really more curious about tracking as far as like the, the controllers are concerned. I think ultimately that's gonna that's gonna be what lives or dies by the headset, which is the problem with the PSVR, which I also own, and, but I rarely use because the move tracking, the move um, accessories were just terrible from a tracking perspective. Um, again, if you, especially when you compare uh, when you compare the PSVR to something like the Index or even the HTC Vive, there's you really notice a difference um, in quality. So I like the fact that Sony is is Releasing a quality headset, um, and obviously the real seller is going to be the, the software and what comes with it. I mean, obviously the Ryzen, the Zero Dawn VR set stuff is good, uh, but obviously the the amount of software, the type of software, and the titles that it released for it, and, and whether or not they utilize the full the full potential of the, the headset, that's going to be what really drives it. Uh, again, I, if, uh, if you think most people are going to be getting this that either have a PS5 already um, and are looking for for a different experience, um, I don't know. Again, from a console perspective, you, you know, again, it's it's a little bit different when you're comparing console accessories to PC accessories, only because uh, the market tends to be pretty diverse on the PC side, and you might you might have different types of gamers, well, some that are more um, VR specific type gamers. Whereas with the PS5 um, and the console folks, um, that's the, the PSVR is kind of a, I don't want to say an afterthought, but it's not the reason they're buying the console. 
Um, so I think it'll it'll depend. But I, I think a lot of people are are complaining about the price. But I think honestly, for what it packs in, I think the price came in under what I was expecting. And that is a very good point because once I got over the sticker shock and I was like going, oh my god, that costs more than the, you know, the system. Uh, somebody had a few people say exactly what you said, Michael. Actually, with the eye tracking. That's a pretty reasonable price. So I'm looking right now just a quick uh, Google search, and I, I under keyword eye tracking VR headset, MetaQuest Pro, Pro $1,499, HTC Vive Pro 2 $799, uh, HP Reverb G2 399 but that's just the headset. Um, you know, the Vive Pro i 748 and then you mentioned some other ones. So, you know, that's the thing. It's a case of, wow, that's a lot of money. But then when you look at it compared to what the competition is offering up, then all of a sudden it's not such a crazy um, scenario. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and one, one thing to add to that is I met with um, the folks at Tobai who are um, kind of the eye-tracking experts back at CES, I think, 2017, 2018. Um, and they had a, an eye tracking kit running on, I want to say it was the HTC Vive at the time. And it makes it, it makes it, you know, a lot of people think eye tracking, they're thinking of things such as it follows your movement. You got to remember in VR, that's not what eye tracking does. What eye tracking in VR does is it, it will know where you're looking, which mean, makes interacting with objects a lot more seamless, like in the, in the, in the, the demo that I did with Tobai when I was out there with them, they actually had me, you know, pick up a ball and throw the ball, you know, at a target, not using eye tracking, then using eye tracking, and it was a, it's a completely night or day experience. It really is, because when it when it can track where your eyes are looking, as opposed to just trying to trace your movement with your hand and trying to identify where you're kind of throwing things, it actually knows where you're doing. It makes it a lot more seamless. So eye tracking is a huge deal when it comes to VR. I think um, it's one of those things that I think every new headset we're going to see it on, and it really does make a lot more immersive experience overall. And that is going to be the ultimate thing. And, of course, the argument that now is going to be, okay, well, when are we going to get games that are going to take advantage of it? That's a discussion for another day. So moving on to the next topic we had today. And that is news of the Friday the 13th series. Uh, that's right, a prequel series of sorts, but then with a check mark on that, is coming to Peacock. Now, for those of you that are not aware, the Friday the 13th series has been caught in a just absolute nightmare of uh, legal issues. It's still, in some ways, caught in them. But the, the, the gist of it was... Um, we saw this with Disney. We discussed with the Predator uh, franchise at that, um, oh, what's a kind of way to put it? They, the rights go back to the original screenwriters after a certain time. Now, this hasn't always happened, uh, but it has been a focal point lately. Disney worked out a deal with the rights holders, problem solved. Well, uh, in the case of Friday the 13th, as it was understood to me, the um, screenwriter believed that he had the rights to the franchise uh, coming back to him because it's been 25 years or the, whatever the, the time frame on it. I believe it's 25 years. And the producer's attitude was, no, you do not. Uh, I have the rights to the franchise because 
you were essentially brought in to do a screenplay. Essentially, you're the hired help. I'm the creator. And the very complicated issue went through all kinds of legal ramifications. And essentially, what the final outcome was, was that the screenwriter gets to keep the rights to sequels and prequels. However, he cannot use anything from the second film onward, um, such as Adult Jason, such as, um, you know, the hockey mask, things like that. I believe he can't even use the phrase Friday the 13th, and his stuff can only be distributed in the United States. The other guy gets the right to do all of that stuff, with the exception of, I think, stuff from the first film, but his stuff can only be released in Europe, which was explained to me as a non-event because nobody is going to greenlight and finance a movie that they cannot get distribution from the other side of the world. So now that the um, TV series was put into uh, effect, we have Brian Singer, who's worked on many great shows, is involved. They apparently have a bit of a budget. And now I'm finding out it's not just a prequel. There are some other elements. And essentially the two sides... Uh, the two right holders are somewhat in conjunction working on this, so that gives them all kinds of potential because this is a TV project. That's apparently all somewhat resolved. It's the film stuff that is still in limbo because now that they've figured out how they own it, now they've got to work with the studio, which I believe at this point is New Line, for what's happening to the films. So the studio essentially said, you know what? Let's throw our hands up in the air. Let's at least get a TV thing going and keep the franchise. Michael, what do you make of this? Well, I, I remember the original Friday the 13th um, TV series back in the late 90s uh, or early 90s, which was kind of more like a Twilight Zone kind of uh, show where they, um, where they actually would feature a lot of different shows that really had to do with Friday the 13th. Um, but you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they can do with this as far as um, the, the prequel. Um, if it's going to be a true prequel, obviously we're not going to have Jason in it, so that would be really interesting um, how they would do that. Um, I guess they could feature his mom, or they could feature Jason as a kid, but I don't think that'd be very interesting. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how um, where, what direction they go with this and um, the type of... Um, again, we've seen... A lot of really good streaming type shows recently um, on various um, franchises that we never would have necessarily thought would have been made a good streaming or television series. Um, so I think this is as an opportunity to be something really cool. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how it turns out. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I think uh, Michael's right. Uh, going to the the legal thing, the legal kind of. Uh, uh, fights going on. It, it does remind me quite a lot. I know you mentioned Predator. Um, it just it these things are always fascinating to me because um, I don't know. It just you you always seem it always just seems like um, a lot of these properties just belong you know to a very large company. Um, but uh, multiple people have uh, had some traction and success. Uh, in just individuals, um, usually the writer. So the Predator was also the same case. I think it was the writer that was suing Fox. Um, you know, it, it, where they get some legal traction, and then you know, they, there's some sort of uh, uh, the, the assumption. I think we had even said at the time, like, oh, it's very likely going to just be 
you know, Fox is probably just going to end up with the rights. And I think that's sort of ended up what happening. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of interesting that, uh, you know, t- so much time has passed since a lot of these movies were created originally that, um, you know, we're starting to get these like kind of crazy legal stories coming out about uh, challenges to the to the, the rights holders. Um, but, you know, it, it is good news that it, it is sort of being resolved, uh, at least on, on the, the other side of being resolved. Um, and, and as far as like this uh, Peacock show, you know, it's uh, it, it's an intri- intriguing idea. Um, you know, uh, if you remember, like, I think the original pitch, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I think the original pitch of Halloween was that it was supposed to be an, an anthology. Like it wasn't always supposed to be um michael myers i think like the original idea was supposed to be like oh you know it's um some kind of halloween-esque story um it might not always be related and then obviously because michael myers was so popular it just sort of became the michael myers uh series and you know i wonder i don't know if there was any sort of similar um deal with uh, with the intention original intentions of friday the 13th um but you know the first movie is so different than the rest of them uh, that you know I, I do kind of wonder you know if they could kind of go in a very creative direction with it you know make it related obviously because you know you can't really have Friday the Thirteenth without some of the the icons um, but you know I I do you know I I just think it is a it is kind of a, you know doing a prequel is sort of an interesting playground where they can do something creative with it and maybe go in a kind of a different direction. As long as some of the core kind of themes are kind of intact, I think, uh, I think it could be good. Well, they also said a singer had come out the other day and said, you know, we can go into the future if we want, we can go back to space if we want. He said, I don't have any intention now, but we've got a good budget and, uh, you know, I'm not limited. And he said, and it's not, you know, he said, we could kind of be a prequel. We could be, modern we could go into the future and it kind of reminded me michael mentioned the friday the 13th series there was also a nightmare on elm street series that wasn't always about freddy per se and i think what they're going to try to do is i think we may be hitting the cusp of what the grand plan is it's not going to be jason and jason's mother someone said to me i wonder if it's going to be more in the line of how bates motel like a backstory and how did it come to that night but I think it's also going to have the freedom to jump off to other side stories. And I, I kept thinking about the American Horror Story, uh, one that they had a couple of years back that was set in an 80s summer camp. And while it wasn't Friday the 13th, you can tell that the summer camp theme that became so popular with so many other horror films definitely had its roots with Friday the 13th. And I think it's just a good thing because everything from merchandise to video games. Uh, has been completely on hold because of this whole situation. And I think this is at least going to get the ball rolling. And like anything, if the show is a hit, then you can probably start to see um, TV, I mean, the film series are coming. But as we know, there's no push. Look at Star Trek. It survived very well. And they're saying, look, being on streaming, we don't have to worry about adult content being a problem. We can do whatever we want. And we have multiple episodes to do that. So the final thing I wanted to discuss really quick before we wrap up this week, guys, Avatar Way of the Water released the full trailer today. As I said, traffic's going crazy for it. Uh, 
looks fantastic. At least I think it looks utterly epic. Uh, what do you think about it? Will uh, first off, have both of you had a chance to see it yet? I have not yet, unfortunately. Okay, Justin, have you seen it yet? I did, yeah. All right, what's what's your take on it? Uh, it lo- it looks good. Um, I think the thing that makes me the most interested is is really what it's about. Like, what is the the core conflict? And I think um, one thing that I liked about this trailer is that they didn't just spill out, uh, you know, b- basically the entire plot of the movie. Um, I know that's a, a common uh, critique I have of, of trailers. It really, I think, uh, was pretty smart in that it just leaned on what um, is really one of the big strengths of uh, James Cameron and his style of filmmaking is that it just looks visually incredible. Uh, I think that's really going to be the main draw. So, uh, uh, it, it showed just enough to make me kind of interested in in what the what the movie is about. Obviously, there seems to be a lot of um, emphasis on uh, underwater scenes. Um, so the, the visuals there just look really, really good, really incredible. Um, you know, I I do you know I do wonder a little bit. You know, if if it's been so much time that uh, that the world isn't avatar didn't really quite have the staying power as some some other franchises especially ones that he, that he worked on um obviously people remember avatar was enormously enormously successful but um you know there wasn't a lot of like spin-offs or or things that really kept that franchise going and keep keeping it alive so um i do you know kind of wonder a little bit if it's uh you know one of the things that's going to be maybe a little bit of a challenge is like reintroducing people uh to this world but um other than that you know the the trailer you know does look really really visually just absolutely incredible and uh, i'm a big fan of like underwater stuff so um that alone oh sorry i'm curious to see how the new 3d will be i got to see a small 3d sampling of it they showed some at CinemaCon, and then they showed it again to the press just before uh dr strange uh in the multiverse of madness we had to go into one theater watch the trailer teaser trailer they showed it to us twice in 3d return the glasses then we had to walk over to the other theater and wait for dr strange to to start so it'll be very interesting but uh i have heard from some of the filmmakers they said you will not be able to guess where this story's going they've taken a lot of pains with that so who knows we've got four movies to look forward to and folks that is going to do it for us this week we will be back next week with a new edition of the show until then take care and be safe